Hi, everybody. Welcome to Packers Unscripted from Packers.com. I am Mike Spofford sitting alongside my trusted colleague, Wes Hodkowitz. We're coming to you here from our studios at Lambeau Field. And Wes, final week of OTAs here for the Packers with the mandatory minicamp next week wrapping up the offseason program. We heard from Aaron Rodgers at his locker on Monday. And it's most likely the last time we're going to hear from Rodgers in, in uh, a media setting until training camp begins. One thing that, uh, that really stood out to me from that conversation with Rodgers, with reporters, is uh, he seems very, very excited. And we've talked a little bit about this before, but very, very excited about what is brewing at the tight end position here with the experience that Jimmy Graham and Mercedes Lewis and Lance Kendricks bring at the top of the depth chart at that position. Yeah, Mike, and the thing is, and you've been around this too the last couple of weeks, being around the team, being in the locker room at some of these events, if you really can't appreciate how big Jimmy Graham and Mercedes Lewis are <laughs> until you stand in their presence. I was interviewing Lewis last week yeah. after he got signed, and I mean, there is a full foot and a half it seems like between him and I I'm yeah. being somewhat facetious but I mean it is just looking directly up and and Jimmy Graham is very similar six foot six 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 foot seven in Graham's case you that's just amazing catch radius it's a huge catch radius you can see why a Lewis was a first round pick back in 2006 and b why even though he was taken in the middle rounds Jimmy Graham was such an intriguing prospect after converting from basketball at uh, University of Miami Florida right so this one-two combo, along with Lance Kendricks being back after a year in the system, it by no means, I mean, this is the most experience the Packers have had in this group since Mike McCarthy's been the head coach and probably going back to the late 90s, as I said on a previous episode. So for Aaron Rodgers now to have those kind of targets, you could see why a quarterback really appreciates that and exactly what that does, not only for him, but this entire offense now, whether it's the running game, the receivers, opens up a lot of different options. Yeah, and it really stood out at Monday's practice as well, which uh, as far as the 11-on-11 work in Monday's open practice, which was the last open OTA uh, prior to the minicamp next week, they were doing red, red zone goal line work. And when they first kind of blew the horn for that 11-on-11 to start, they put the ball at the 20-yard line, you know, right there at the edge of the red zone. Very first play, Aaron Rodgers, Jimmy Graham, yeah, touchdown. Exactly. I mean, it looked like you know, it looked like these guys have been have been playing together for three or four or five years or something like that. And Rodgers made the comment, when you bring in veteran players like a Graham and like a Lewis, yes, there's an adjustment period, but boy, that adjustment period is so much shorter yes. than it is for a veteran quarterback like Rodgers with receivers who are just getting into the league and just getting their feet wet. It seems the Packers, you know, really, there's a lot of young talent at receiver that Rodgers is going to have to work with to get up to speed. That's not as much the case at tight end. Mike McCarthy said the same exact thing when they signed Lewis, when they signed Byron Bell, when it asked about what is the process of getting them caught up. Out of all the transitions, for anybody, it's the easiest. Bringing yeah. in a veteran that has experience in the NFL, knows how a system is run, what is expected out of them, even if there is a minor transition to a new scheme. But the other thing that stands out to me, too, when you go back and think about it, is that play. Now, you've heard us say in the past with different players, Jared Cook among them, you know, that first practice, you really could see him make an impact. You could see him make the throws. And that's all well and good. What was intriguing about that pass to Graham, though, is it was almost an undefendable play. Right. Where Rodgers put the ball 
getting it over the top of the shoulder almost. On And actually, it ended up happening very similar to, to Lewis from a pass from Deshaun Kaiser later in practice. There's not a whole lot a defensive back can do if there's no help over the top. Now, again, it's one practice, one day, and it's organized team activities. They're basically you know running around with, without pads on. But it does show you the element that Jimmy Graham brings. And again, getting back to that catch radius, it allows Rodgers, who's so pinpoint precise and accurate, to really get creative with how he wants to be able to build those connections with those tight ends. Yeah, and getting back to what you said initially just about the sheer size of these guys, you know, there are things that, uh, that you talk about when coaches sit down to try to game plan on one side of the ball or the other. There are things that make them nervous. There are things right. that scare them. If there's one thing, aside from a quarterback like Aaron Rodgers, but if there's one thing schematically that can really scare a defensive coordinator, it's really big targets Mm -hmm. with speed running down the middle of the field. Now, Mercedes Lewis doesn't have the speed that he used to have. He's a little bit older. Um, He's more accomplished as a blocker and all that. But Jimmy Graham is a guy who's going to make teams have to figure out a different way to defend Aaron Rodgers. And I think Mm -hmm. that's the most exciting thing about this as we head into 2018. Yeah, and then the thing is, too, as Lewis said, he had an interesting little quip about how yeah, you know, I might not be the, the as fast as I used to be, but he also says don't sleep on him either. Yeah. Because if you yeah. want perfect film, as it was brought up in his first introductory news conference with the Green Bay media, go back and look at that London game last year against the Ravens. He had three touchdown passes in that game. Uh, just a remarkable performance because he was sneaking behind linebackers and they had no way to defend him. So that's the the chess match there is now. Defense is trying to figure out how they're going to defend that, and the Packers trying to figure out how they can use all those different pieces to best exploit it. Something I think we're going to be talking about a lot as 2018 unfolds. But with that, we're going to go to a break back with more on Packers Unscripted right after this. Welcome back to Packers Unscripted. Mike Spofford in this chair, Wes Hodkiewicz in that one. And Wes, continuing our discussion of what we heard from Aaron Rodgers at his locker after Monday's practice, made a few comments with regards to the defensive side of the ball, and one of them that was very interesting is unprompted, essentially. Now, nobody asked him about this particular player, but he said the guy that he sees right now as the best player on the defensive side of the ball when he's been going through these uh, these OTA sessions in practice is number 38. It's the veteran Tremont Williams that the Packers have brought back. Aaron Rodgers certainly sees him, and the coaches have talked about it in the same way. He's an invaluable piece here to what the Packers are trying to accomplish on defense, not only the connection to Mike Pettin, his veteran experience, all the young cornerbacks that have somebody who yeah. is a model pro to look up to. All of that is embodied in Termon Williams. He's a big part of this team for 2018. He is, Mike, and we are now in this day and age. I mean, obviously there was the Daryl Greens of the world, uh, but it is a young man's game, and it's a young man's position. But you've seen a few guys, you know, Terrence Newman being one of them with yeah. the Minnesota Vikings now at 40 years old, coming back once again, although he has said this will be his last year. I see Tremont Williams as one of those guys. Yeah. I think a lot of people look at the age, look at 35, and think, you know, this is a cornerback near the tail end of his career. As I wrote about an insider inbox on Tuesday, if there's one player that you could see making a jump in year 12, <laughs> it's Tremont Williams. And there's two things that go behind that. One, and I've talked about it before on the show, is the fact that there is a certain number of people that they take care of their body 
and they do the right things to keep themselves springy, to keep themselves athletic, to keep themselves limber. And Tremont has checked all those boxes yeah. throughout the, his career. He's been doing that for five, six, seven years now. And then the other one, too, is the experience factor. Cornerback, um, we only half of it is athleticism. The other half is knowing what you're doing out there and the best way to be able to defeat the receiver or defeat whatever your, you know, your assignment's going to be. Yeah. Williams has done that. And the thing I like the most about Tremont is last year the league tried to push him out. <laughs> they tried to get rid of him. He got cut by Cleveland. He was out of work for a few months. The Arizona Cardinals looking for help. Sign him on the fringe of, you know, the right before the eve of training camp. Yeah. And then in really two months, two and a half months, he ends up being a starting cornerback for them and played at a really high level opposite Patrick Peterson. Tremont Williams still has a lot left in the tank. Yeah, he absolutely does. And it's amazing when you look at it, watching him in these OTA practices, he's still back there returning punts yeah. and, and yeah. stuff like that. Now, I don't think the Packers are going to necessarily have him as the punt returner in 2018, but you know, he's a guy, he talked about this too. He's never going to forget where he came from right. and what, what I mean by that, not only you know his his upbringing and the fact that he went to a small school, Louisiana Tech, and was and was undrafted and all that, but he got his break in the NFL as a punt returner, starting as a special teams guy. I asked him about you know the the basically the first big play he ever made in an NFL game in 2007. The Carolina Panthers are lining up for a long field goal. They decide to snap it directly to the kicker. He pooch punts it down inside the 10-yard line. Tremont Williams runs back there, picks up the ball inside the 10, and goes 94 yards for a touchdown right. as part of a 13-3 Packers season, you know, Brett Favre's last year in 2007. That's the play that put the guy on the map. It was a punt return, and then everything has gone on from there. Obviously, the big plays in the 2010 playoff run to the Super Bowl, all of that. He... Uh, um, He's never going to forget where he came from, and that's a message that you know can resonate whether it's with the first-round draft pick in Jair Alexander or the Donatello Browns right. on the roster who you know have been on the practice squad and they're trying to fight for a spot on the active roster. This is a guy that everybody's looking up to. There, in my opinion, Mike, there are three different types of un undrafted free agents. Uh, one is the guys that performed at a high level, but either because of the level at which they played or just the fact they didn't get enough respect. They didn't get drafted. Lane Taylor's one of them, four-year starter at Oklahoma State. There's also a certain amount of undrafted free agents that go undrafted because of something that happened off the field. But the third type is the guys that just were kind of raw prospects. Yeah. The Sam Shields of the world, the guys that maybe make a late transition, or in Tremont Williams' case, a guy that was a, wasn't even really intending to play football right away right. ends up being a walk-on and then gradually works his way up and impresses. He is the quintessential story of an undrafted success story. Yeah. And he brings that experience back, and he also brings experience in Mike Pettin's system. And the fact that he continues to play this at this level at this stage of his career tells you how badly he still wants it and how much he's still chasing another Super Bowl ring. Yeah, and a really interesting comment he made as well, getting back to your earlier point about uh, the smarts and the savvy that now he has after a dozen years in the league to go along with keeping that body limber and staying athletic. He was talking about the Packers' young cornerbacks, and he's like, yeah, it's great to see them making plays out there. And they're making plays out there right now in practice because the, they have the athletic ability to do it. They're not making plays because they really know what's going on. Yeah. He says, I'm at the point where I kind of know what's going on, and that makes things easier. I don't have to be quite as athletic as a Jair Alexander, you know, a rookie first-round draft pick coming in to be able to do my job and to do it well. And that's the 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 
problem in a sense, for lack of a better term, is that most guys don't get smart enough in this league yeah. until the athleticism has left them and then they have to retire. Absolutely. Guys who are 35 years old, they know everything about the game, but physically they can't keep up and play it anymore. Tremont Williams, long ago, got those smarts, and now he's he's keeping it going. Heck, you see that at guys that are 30, 31, you know, Nandi Asamoah, like those type of players that were the best of their ability. Yeah. But when things start to go down, they can't keep up. Tremont Williams, at every stage of his career, he's made sure he's doing the right things to keep himself physically, mentally, emotionally in this game and obviously invested towards winning a championship. Yeah, no doubt. With that, we're going to go to another break back with more on Packers Unscripted right after this. back to Packers Unscripted. Mike Spofford here, Wes Hodkowitz over there. Wes, we spent a lot of time talking about the Packers offensive line and everything it went through in 2017. Justin McCray as the super sub filling in wherever was needed. Yeah. David Bakhtiari earns a, another all-pro nod at left tackle. Lane Taylor really coming into his own as an undrafted guy and now a multi-year starter at left guard. One guy in that group played Every offensive snap for the Packers in 2017 for all the injuries the offensive line was dealing with. And that's center Corey Lindsley. He, heading into 2018, is in a very different position than where he was a year ago. He was. And you know why it was so important he played every single offensive snap for the Packers last year? Because his backup was playing right tackle for most of the second <laughs> right. half of last year. And then Lucas Patrick, who was the other backup at center, ended up finishing the year with a club. So it was pretty important yeah. that Corey Lindsley played all 1,000-whatever snaps. But as you said, Mike, going back to last year, he was entering a contract year. He was coming off an ankle surgery. And he said throughout the offseason program, which he was not able to participate in, mentally, as much as it, it really stunk not to be able to be out there, he felt like he was in a better place because he finally had answers. The year before, he had that hamstring injury that he couldn't really get his, a grip on. Well, it was all kind of stemming from this ankle injury. He finally got that cleaned up. And he was really putting a lot into being back for training camp and being able to go wire to wire. Now he didn't. He says he doesn't. He didn't have it on his board. To, you know, I want to play every single snap. Right. But the fact that he did, and then in the last week of the season got that big contract extension, I think showed him that he was still the player he always thought he was, and he just needed to get that ankle fixed to be able to play at that level again. Because you go back to 2014, there were a lot of mirrors between those two seasons as far as what his role was. He had to be the guy because J.C. Treader was out in 2014. He got thrown in there. He ended up making all those starts. Very similar situation last year, and he stepped up to the plate. Yeah, absolutely. And Lindsley's always struck me as a very interesting guy because you look at you know, he's been with the Packers now since 2014, fifth-round draft pick out of Ohio State. He's seen a lot of transition on the offensive line. He was kind of brought up, so to speak, by the the T.J. Langs and the Josh Sittens of the world. Now David Bakhtiari, Brian Balaga, very much leaders in that offensive line room. Those are a lot of uh, pretty distinct personalities. Yeah. And Corey Lindsley is a very reserved and quiet guy, but yet he's always kind of got a smile on his face. He's always uh, always willing to tell a little bit of a story about what's going on behind the scenes. And uh, um, 
no matter what the personality is, a very, very respected member of that offensive line. Yeah, and in a dry, you know, dry sense of humor too <laughs> that you'll sometimes see pop up when he's retweeting on retweeting onion articles. But here's here's the thing I go back to, Mike. You've been covering this team for a long time and I've been doing it now for five, six, seven years. I remember sitting down with Aaron Rodgers. It was a 2013 and the topic of conversation was the center position and the fact that he was then at that point onto his fourth different starting center in four years. He had Scott Wells, he had Jason Spitz, he had Jeff Saturday, and then it eventually became Evan Smith. And he said repeatedly in the 2012 and 2013 season, he wanted to be able to get on a run with a guy. Now, everybody thought that guy was going to be J.C. Treader, right? but the injuries ended up popping up. When you talk about him being a respected member of the offensive line and a respected member of that roster, the fact that he ended up becoming that guy to get on a run with Rodgers and now is you know in place here the next few seasons to stay there, that tells you not only how much Rodgers thinks of him, but how much the organization thinks of the job he did. Because as a fifth-round pick... He was very specialized, Mike. You always talk about reserves being versatile. Corey Lindsley is a center through and through. Yep. That's the position he played. That's not to say he couldn't play elsewhere. A purebred. But, but he's a purebred. <laughs> and the fact that he ended up getting that call in 2014 and playing the way he did shows you how much of an expert, how much he's mastered that position, and you've just seen him grow now over the last five years. I just had this thought occur to me as you were talking about Lindsley. What is it about the number 63 in this <laughs> franchise? It's Larry, well. Larry McCarron, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. James Campen. Scott Wells. Now Corey Lindsley, a lot of really, really good centers that have played uh, played for this team, and a lot of them have worn that same number. And if I know Campy, he would probably <laughs> say that it's Larry, Scott Wells, Corey Lindsley, and then James Campen down there, but he was pretty good, darn good in his own right as well. Yeah, he was. With that, we're going to go to another break, back with more on Packers Unscripted right after this. Welcome back to Packers Unscripted. Mike Spofford sitting next to Wes Hodkowitz. Wes, before we go, we definitely have to touch on uh, what was a scary moment over this past weekend, but hopefully one that uh, that everybody can kind of chuckle about when it's all said and done. And I'm talking about that line drive in the charity softball game that Clay Matthews took uh, right in the face, broke his nose. Uh, sounds like he's having surgery sometime this week to get that squared away. Um, certainly glad that uh, that Clay Matthews is okay, but one of those things that just falls under the category of you never know what the heck is going to happen sometimes. No, and, it, and this could happen in any walk of life, and, and it's just one of those deals. I mean, this could have easily been a, you know, Packers.com digital department uh, <laughs> softball game, and, and something like that could always happen. And, yeah, it's unfortunate, but I think Mike McCarthy had really good perspective on it. You go back to what they were doing um, – you know, it's in the name of a good cause, a charitable cause, and, and Clay this year, along with Devontae Adams, were actually the headliners of this event right. for the first time with, with Jordy Nelson now in Oakland. And you could tell this was something that Nelson took a lot of, I'm sorry, uh, Matthews took a lot of pride in. And the other thing to keep in mind, too, I guess it's just the law of averages. They've been doing this for 25 years. If you've covered any or if you've been to any of these uh, softball games the last few years, Clay Matthews always pitches. Yeah. He constantly does it, I think. you know, It's been yeah, doing this probably since his rookie year. Yeah, he's been the guy for a long time. So it just happened to be that it, you know, it, it was an incident, an incident. But the fact that, well, one, his toughness is off the charts. I that's, what I was, that's what I was going to say. How do yeah. you take a shot like that to the face? And I don't mean to make light of it at all, but 
how does that happen? He doesn't even buckle his knees, let no. alone, you know, go to the ground or anything. He just, he puts his glove up over his face, which I talked to some people who were there and who saw it. I actually wasn't there at the time, but that, you know, there was a lot of blood obviously coming anytime you have a face facial injury like that, you know, the blood kind of comes in pretty heavy doses. He just put his glove up over his face and walked right off the field. Yeah. And, and I mean, I couldn't, I, I, I couldn't imagine. There's, there's no way I'd be able to even stay on my feet or think about going or doing anything if I took a, took a shot like that. Yeah, and, and I think sometimes fans will confuse, you know, injuries and durability and think they're one and the same. Um, they're totally different things because what these guys play through and the toughness that they show. An example of that being, I know Nick Perry has had a couple of injuries here the past few years, but Nick Perry might be the toughest guy on the entire team uh, <laughs> with what he's played through um, and not even batted an eye. Clay Matthews has played through a lot. You know, you think of 2013, breaking his thumb once, but but end up being twice. Yeah. Uh, you know, and the fact that he was able to get up and get off the field, they did stop the game for about a half an hour, but there was a pretty quick update saying that he's fine. Um that's the thing you go back to as much as it sucks. You don't want to break your nose. It could have been a lot worse, you know, yeah. orbital injuries and things of that nature. So he's going to have time here. That's the one silver lining to all this is it is the beginning of June. They don't come back now until the end of July. So there'll be some time for him to recuperate and hopefully be good to go once training camp rolls around. Yeah. And as you mentioned, Mike McCarthy's perspective, you know, certainly wasn't going to step in and say, okay, you know, we need to stop this charity softball game. I mean, Hey, it is for a good cause. It's been going on for a long time. This was a freak accident. After Matthew's injury, they put a, a protective screen up there for the pitcher. There are some things you can do here to protect these guys from a freak accident like that, or at least try your best to protect them from it. And uh, I would think the charity softball game will uh, will continue in Appleton. And I'm guessing that screen will probably be out there now from now on. <laughs> That's my takeaway and prediction for 2019. Not not so bold there, but I think, <laughs> I think you're on to something. With that... We're going to sign off on this edition of Packers Unscripted. Be sure to follow all of our coverage of the team on Packers.com on Twitter. He's at Wes Hod. I'm at Mike Spofford at Packers for the team account. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. We'll see you next time.